and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This, where I am joined by Jameson Stone. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. And uh, actually, uh, me and Jameson have been talking for a while online. But it's the first time I get to meet him in person today. Um, you're creative. You have a, a number of different entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah. But today, we're going to be talking about how to avoid the burnout that comes from creativity. Yeah. Um, if you wouldn't mind just beforehand, like, where have you seen this? Where have you, maybe you've experienced it totally. in the past? And uh, let people know. Unfortunately, I am first firsthand experience of burning out as a creative. Um, and anything from writing a fantasy novel to working on a D&D campaign book. Um, being out in front of audiences, uh, traveling. It's that balance point of being the, the generative creative force yourself, but then also having to project that energy out to other people. So you can create in your little domain, much like you as a game master, you have your little world. And in there, you are able to control your internal resources. But you then go out and also have to be externally facing, particularly someone that's like an in, you know, in, in, introvert, who's a little bit more creative internally be very difficult to then modulate that energy and you can become depleted. See, what I love about this is you define yourself as an introvert, right? Very, very introverted. Do, yeah. do you find that people disagree with you? In the like, All the time. <laughs> they're like, you, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, it is difficult, like, because I'm the same. I'm an introvert and I get accused of being an extrovert right. um, all the time. So before we even get into this, why don't we look at that? What in your mind is the definition between an extrovert and an introvert? And how dare you say that you're an introvert? <laughs> I know, right? And yeah. how dare you? Right, exactly. I, I think for me, it's where where do you recharge yourself? And so I, I, the only way that I can recharge is really to isolate myself, even sometimes from my own family. And I like love them dearly, but I say, hey, I've, I've got to go sit in our meditation room. I've got to go sit in my office, even just for five minutes and come back to myself to really replenish. Now, I can also recharge up here, the lights, you know, the cameras. It's so much fun to connect with a new person. But eventually, I have a little meter that starts to go down yep. where other people, this brings them to life. I have to bring that life here and then share that with other people. So that's how I would identify. I'm curious, though, for you. Exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and actually, I've got to a point you know, as I'm getting older that um, my friends know this. Yep. And so if I, uh, and, and actually, you'll see this tonight. We're having like a, a little dinner party at our place. Um, I'm going to disappear every two hours for about 15 minutes. Yeah, and that's it. That's yep. the key. And I'll go and I'll hide for 15. And everyone's like, where's Adam? And all my yeah. friends, I don't know about it. He's recharging. Yeah. And then I'll come out like, what's up, everybody? <laughs> like, and I'm back to normal again. Now, Adam, something I might suggest, and, and I can do this with other introverts, sure. is when you find another person that's like that, those two people can almost like kind of like heart connect and then recharge together and then re-enter the group. I actually find that to be incredibly recharging. Awesome. I know a lot of other introverts, they, it's like the stimulation needs to kind of go away a little bit. They come back to themselves and then they share some sort of information like we've been doing talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And from that perspective, we actually can rebuild our own energy sources and then put them back out. It's awesome. Yeah, because and I think that's like the point. Um, a lot of people do misread um, introverts that are capable of being extroverted. Right. Who know how to extrovert. Right, right as being extroverted yes. um, and, you know, recognizing that 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 continual talking to other people yep. is like the depleting yep. energy. But, but let's go the other way. Let's talk about extroverts. Like, so I actually have a friend who is an introverted extrovert. Mm -hmm. He only recharges around other people, right? but continually isolates himself. Yep. 
and triggers his own depression. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, Jung talked a lot about that even an extrovert still has to go and be by themselves. They make like a really big to-do about it. They'll like go fly fishing. They'll buy all the fly fishing gear. They'll drive like five hours up in the mountains. Maybe they only fly fish for like an hour. You know, that's it. Yeah. But it's that activity and them kind of like building themselves up for this thing to then go do it. Where for an, you know, an actual introvert, I'll just like go outside and then like, we'll just naturally start to, you know, re-energize my energetic system. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny you say that. You describe the guy perfectly because yeah. he will, he'll like travel to like New Mexico for six weeks right. and he will like map it out, tell it, he's got a whole route plan. He's telling everyone about it. Right. And he's like, I'm going into deep isolation. Right. While he's there, he's hanging out with a bunch of people. Right. He's never alone, yeah. you know, but like right. he's in isolation. What he really means is meeting new people, um, which is totally different. Whereas, um, like you said, for me, I have repeatedly throughout my life just got up, yep. gone somewhere else yeah. and been alone for very long periods of time. And, and to be able to modulate that energy inside of your own system is vital. And not many artists, I think, know how to do that. And that's where the burnout comes from. And I can speak from my own experience. I would give and give and give, particularly being a creative director, a CEO, a team leader. And I would just continuously be giving and not almost feel that I deserve to take that time. Mm -hmm. Particularly when you're an artist, you have to, you know, you've got to be on, you've got to do these things, you've got to make these deadlines. I think a really good leader is able to really check in with themselves and give themselves the permission to do exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, it's so important. And so for you, is that where that burnout comes from or is there something else going on? Well, I think for me, it's probably childhood trauma. And so, okay. you know, I'm not, not, not actually giving myself the opportunity to take care of myself the way that I need to so I can actually be a good artist or team leader or even parent or partner of knowing, you know, if my cup is not full, I then can't actually give. And I know so many other people too, whether it's from, you know, programming with their children, whatever it is, that haven't actually learned a new skill set to be able to then be active performers out in the world. And I don't just mean performers on stage, but actually be a high, high performance individual. So I, I love this. And it's cool because on this podcast, we don't normally dive into this stuff, but I know that it is something that is really important. Um, do you know the spoons analogy? Uh, remind me. Okay. Remind so the, the spoons analogy is one of my favorites. The idea is I've got a jar of peanut butter mm -hmm. and I've got a number of spoons in my peanut butter mm -hmm. jar. And when you want to hang out with me, mm -hmm. I have to take a scoop of peanut butter and give you a spoon. Right. But there will be a point where I'll still have some peanut butter left, mm -hmm. but no spoons. Interesting. And so I can't give anymore right. until someone gives me a spoon back. Right. So right. now you have to give me a spoon back. Right. But if when you give me that spoon back, it doesn't come with peanut butter from you, right. eventually the jar will empty. You've got no peanut butter. And now I've got no peanut butter right. and no spoons. Right. And um, I, I love this analogy. Uh, a friend of mine took it a step further and uh, she was just having a really busy day, sure. but she was like very hyperactive. It was about like 11 PM at night. And she's a, a lovely lady that I know her and her husband are great. And um, I was like, Hey, how you doing? And she went, to be honest with you, she goes, I love you, but I got to let you know, I ran out of spoons ages ago. <laughs> I was down to forks yeah. and the peanut butter was just slipping through right. and all I've got left are knives right. and right. someone's going to get stabbed. Right. And I was just like, I love that she took that analogy, that yeah. step further, because that's kind of what it feels like when, yeah. you know, and it's not necessarily that people around you are literally taking from yeah. you. It's you're giving to them, but you've given so much. Right. And if you're person 38 in the line of people that, that have interacted with this person on a day, you're dealing with a sharp, pointy knife giver. Right. Who may be a little agitated. Right. Who normally is a spoon giver. But I love that she could vocalize that right. and be like, look, you know, I've, I've just about got hello in me. 
after that you're getting stabbed or you need to leave me alone. And I think that those healthy boundaries, both in the communication and yeah. the reception is so important. And for those of us with trauma, we maybe weren't taught how to have those healthy boundaries. And even the signaling of saying, hey, I've only got knives. Be like, oh, well, let me help you. Right. When we may not have the spoons that we need to actually give. And I've definitely done that in my own experience. And to be able to learn, you know, I'm, I hear you. Like, thank you for telling me you just have knives and there's very little peanut butter. And honestly, I don't have a lot left either. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we reconvene another time. And to know who I could always go to that has a, a full jar of peanut butter for me and to have a reciprocal relationship knowing that we're going to be trading spoons. And even if we're not giving a lot of peanut butter to each other, this goes back to kind of introverts, isolating, having a deep conversation, then re-entering the group, knowing that we can actually like generate some peanut butter, you know, like a D&D Exactly, right? Make our own peanut butter out of nothing. So it, it's so funny you say this. This is like really relevant. Um, I have, and and you know, my, my wife works with me on this. There are certain people in my life that do nothing but generate um, my ability to fill up my peanut butter jar, yeah. and it, it's tough because there are other people that really enjoy being around me yeah. and like the idea that they fill my peanut butter jar, right. but they don't, right. and they drain my peanut butter jar. Yeah, and it's really tough because those people hate the idea mm -hmm. that there is someone else that I would rather spend time with <laughs> right. because that person's going to replenish my peanut butter jar. And it does not mean I don't want to hang out with them because yeah. I love giving my peanut butter to that person. Right. But if I don't fill up my peanut butter jar, my ability to help that person mm -hmm. goes to less than zero. Well, and you can actually put yourself at risk too. Right. It's, not, it's not even about helping them. You can deplete yourself into, into burnout. Yeah, and, but it, and it can be very, um, it's like an ego hit to yep. say to somebody, look, I love hanging out with you, right. but you don't replenish me. Right. That doesn't right. mean I don't want to hang out, but right. you got to give me some time to go and hang out with this person that right. does replenish me. Right. And, that can go, and the easiest way I think about it is, um, you know, I've got five kids, sure. love all my children. But the youngest one, that guy, he only knows how to take peanut butter. A little, little bit of a psychic yeah. vampire. Yeah. yeah, he only, that's all he knows. And I love him. Yeah. I love him so much. Whereas my second youngest, mm -hmm. she does nothing but replenish, right? Yeah. Um, my second oldest does nothing but replenish. Yeah. So like my second oldest will walk by me and he'll be like, dad, you need a <laughs> and I'm like, oh, buddy, yeah, yeah I need a hug. And it would just come and give me a hug and be like, is there anything I can do for you, dad? Mm. And I'm like, dude, you are just like the sweetest kid, right? Yeah. Whereas like the five-year-old is like, here now. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and you just- Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the five-year-old, the, the youngest, like the fifth youngest. He's like, dad, now. Yeah. You know, like, or he said to me this morning, he's like, morning, dad. I'm like, morning, buddy. He goes, no. I'm like, what do you mean no? And he goes, no, no, good morning. He only wanted to, he only wanted to say it. I wasn't allowed to say it yet. We hadn't, we hadn't got to that part of the morning. And it's just like, great. That, that's an entire spoon of peanut butter gone, right? right? Just done. in that one, you know, like I'm not allowed to say good morning and I'm getting told off for saying good morning, right? right? You know, so, but it, it, it is difficult for you to understand that for every individual for you to take responsibility mm -hmm. for your own peanut butter receiving and giving. Yeah. And weirdly, and it's kind of controversial to say, it's totally okay if you enjoy receiving peanut butter from someone. Yeah. For you to not be somebody mm -hmm. that can give them peanut butter. Sure. Providing you're okay with that person replenishing that peanut butter mm -hmm. somewhere else. And I'm I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a dating coach. I'm actually not even talking about dating. I'm actually talking about friendships. Yeah. Like I'm talking about work relationships. Right. Like I had a work, I just ended a, a partnership with somebody, a working relationship where I was putting the peanut butter in mm -hmm. and they were taking it out but they never put it in. Yeah. And it, the relationship lasted for years because I would get my peanut butter elsewhere. 
And it got to a point where when I recognized they weren't putting it in at all, that, I, you know, um, I said to them, hey, I love you to bits. I'm going to stop putting peanut butter in this job. Did you find, is there a, a kind of a character archetype that you resonated with to be able to receive better you know, better energy more from other people versus not? So, I mean, this is really, really powerful. I find that there are different types of energy sure, sure. from different people. So um, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to name names. I'm sorry in advance, Farhad, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to name names because yeah, there are people in the room, but I think it's a really good example. So Farhad is, is one of my very best friends. He's in, in the audience here. Farhad's an extrovert. If me and Farhad are in the same room, I can live off of Farhad's peanut right. butter energy. Right. And I actually don't need isolation from Farhad. So right. I'm an introvert that can regenerate around right. him because he continually gives me peanut butter. In, in human design, sometimes those people are called manifesting generators. And so they literally just generate energy. My wife is the same way. Perfect. Yeah. So I can I can hang out with him. I can hang out with him for seven days straight, yep. 24 seven. They're like a battery. Yeah. And they just emanate. No power. problem at all. Yeah. But here's the, the flip side to it. Because um, of his ADHD nature, he will disappear for two to three hours at a time sure. on something else that he cares about, which is fine. But as an introvert, he shoots me back into introversion. Mm. When we reconnect, mm -hmm. he comes back in at the same level he was at. Right. I'm now introverted. Yep. So, which is fine because he can get me out of it again, yep. but it means our interactions are in spurts. Yep. So, yep. and I'm just hyper conscious of what's happening yep. and I'm totally fine with yep. it. Um, but like, it, it's a really good example of, so Farhad will always generate me, mm -hmm. but will also always shoot me into deep introversion. I, I, I find for me, and I, I don't know, I'm a yoga instructor, martial arts instructor. And so like, I kind of go to woo-woo places. And even if it's just visualization, I find it very helpful. So you know, I'm a yoga instructor. Are, are you really? That's so funny. Oh, yeah. And so do cool. a ton of martial arts. That's well. amazing. I know. So yeah. we just, we just like met in person today. So <laughs> yeah, that's obviously really cool. best friends. I'm but. not surprised at all. Yeah. Actually. So, yeah. yeah. Vinyasa flow. Yeah. 200 cool. EYT. That's yoga. so cool. Yeah. A Kripalu style and, and, and partner yoga. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Very sweet. cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So much more to talk about. Um, so from kind of this vibrational space, some people are just vibrating at that much higher rate. Mm -hmm. um, and what I find for me as an introvert, I will have to match my, ener you know, my energy to this other person for that energy exchange to go well. Um, and sometimes if I have onboard enough you know, energy through your chakra system, whatever kind of way you want to look at it, um, but you can just tell intuitively that I then can kind of harmonize with them. But there are certain people that I kind of like you were saying before, I don't harmonize with. And what I've had to do is really kind of give myself permission to not have to interact with them, but then also not be frustrated with them or myself that we maybe don't get along in that way and then find a new way to appreciate them and their unique gifts. Um, and it could just be some sort of skill exchange or just, you know, some commonality, but that it's okay that I don't have to connect with them like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is difficult. And, and it's hard because sometimes, like I said, the other person gets something out of it. Yep. And I don't mind fulfilling that yep. for amounts of time. Bingo. And, and yeah. you've got to modulate it. Yeah, exactly. Yourself. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, dude, I will totally give you everything you need yep. as long as yep. you're gonna let me go and and recharge and get what what does it feel like? And I have my own answer to it. Yeah, sure. What does it feel like in your body, the kind of kinesthetic sense of when you're getting depleted? So, you know, and I, I communicate this to clients who kind of have a similar idea of like, like, how do I know when to disengage? How, how do you feel like you like taste it? Uh, yeah. So for me, it's to do with thought patterns. Mm -hmm. If I am present in the conversation with the other person, it's because they are replenishing. Yep. 
if my brain starts to wander to other topics, I know that that person is draining me. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a self-defense mechanism. Right. My brain just leaves the conversation. I, I wonder too, uh, I also have ADHD. And yeah. so um, an ADHD mind will, will switch topics to generate dopamine. And so you're almost looking for more dopamine by kind of looking at, at things. And so you'll actually like look at something else to have something novel in your visual cortex to generate more dopamine. Well, yeah, because the the person isn't delivering yeah. that. Do- and I mean, if we get like, you know, I'm, I mean, because obviously I, I can note out about this stuff as well quite a lot. So sorry in advance. So we've got our, our four primary chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I suspect what it is, is someone like Fahad, I'm totally just dropping his name over and over again, but whatever, um, is probably generating oxytocin in me, which mm-hmm. is the good chemical totally. because the conversation flows and so naturally. Connection. Right. Yeah. When he leaves the room, the oxytocin, the oxytocin source is depleted. Totally. Okay. At yeah. which point, um, I'm then going to look for the resource elsewhere. Mm-hmm. When the oxytocin source comes back, mm-hmm. my body doesn't look for it anymore because sure. it doesn't need it. It's already allowed that to deplete. Right. On the flip side, if I'm hanging out with somebody who needs help, advice, or my reassurance, mm-hmm. I'm that's now not an oxytocin conversation because yep. I'm not getting replenished. Right. So my brain starts trying to find, okay, well, I'm helping this person feel better. Mm-hmm. What will my dopamine or oxytocin source be yep. that will give me that positive? Right, right. Because you, you are then depleting your own internal store that for someone with ADHD may not be able to kind of build on board. Um, what's really interesting is then um, in Colorado, uh, mushrooms and psilocybin are legal now, microdosing, macrodosing. And so to then leverage a artificial or kind of a, a mycelium-based um, stimulant of serotonin, then you can kind of ride that through a microdosing experience to actually kind of shore your levels up. Even if it's just a microdose, we find it to be very, very helpful. I, so I, I love this. And my ADHD wants to shift the conversation in a completely different direction because you're nerdy. I'm going to allow it. Um, so have you seen The Last of Us? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What in your mind mm-hmm. is the true likelihood <laughs> of the cordyceps mushrooms <laughs> yeah. creating a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So I actually, <laughs> there was no way I couldn't ask this question. I, I actually have a mycelium lab in our basement where we grow our, our mushrooms for our, our journeys. Do you grow cordyceps? I do. I so and I have this crazy cordyceps uh, mushroom, and I, I I I dried it, and it's like kind of like looming over my little like like grow grow tent, and um, it looks terrifying, and it'll never happen. So that's the beauty. Cordyceps are actually amazing for you. Uh, we have a mushroom supplement uh, coming out at, at, at our company, Lion's Mane Supplements. And cordyceps, there is so many benefits uh, to eating them. And I guarantee you, they will not zombify you. Is the biggest benefit that you don't have to think anymore because it thinks for you? Because you're actually re- rebuilding new serotonin receptors, serotonin 2B receptors that you think better, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may, may feel like you're under mental control because you're a new person because you actually have better brain functioning. <laughs> Just yeah. go around eating that show's really um, terrifying though dude i love that yeah, shot i yeah, i was yeah. i'm such a fan i had of it. clients who were like i'm not eating your mushrooms now i'm like dude come on like it's just a show yeah. so so is it true that they cannot take over a human being well yes yeah they can't do that's it. my yeah. point yeah no i'm joking i'm joking i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there but i love yeah. this by the way i love that you have cordyceps yeah. mushrooms yeah. it's gonna sit over yeah. here uh no i'm joking all right so um so obviously the whole point what we're really talking about is this burnout yep. when people feel it so, you know, in your mind, is that burnout a depletion of the happy chemicals? I, I think it's a combination. I think ultimately, um, just to speak from my own experience, it's if I'm coming from a depleted place, and there's so many ways that that can occur. Um, again, childhood trauma, um, I, I practice internal family systems with my clients, and it's, it's really about trauma healing. Mm-hmm. I find that so many artists, the reason our hearts are wide open is because they've been blown open 
life. And so that's great. We have a superpower. You know, we have a, a subclass or a full-on class of artists. Um, but we then have a, a lot of deficits to that that we have to deal with. And so using the internal family system, I can go in and heal those wounded parts. Now, when those parts are, are healed, I'm fine. I'm no longer like leaching energy through my system. Again, going on the yoga system, right? Aura, right? But again, just visualizations. Now, when they're when when those parts are healed, I get the superpower, but I don't have that wounded part that then manifests and then allows me to slip into that that burnout. Okay, got it. D d which I love, by the way. Let's um. So you know, there's burnout that you get from other people. There's burnout when you're bringing your own your own trauma to it. Yeah. Um. What about that creative burnout, like like writer's block? Yeah. Or finding a thing where you're like, I cannot think anymore. Like, I what what triggers that, and how can that be avoided? It's really interesting. So, um. When I was creative director and CEO of Apotheosis Studios, I uh, managed an entire team. And some of our team members would come with writer's block or, you know, artist block, a lot of uh, visual artists. Um, many of them didn't ever. And I've, for me, I've never encountered standard writer's block. I would sometimes have lack of focus or lack of interest. I think that kind of comes down to the low dopamine, low serotonin. And so for me, I would get up, I would go on a walk, and I would actually allow my mind, my my unconscious, my creative unconscious to start gyrating and then finding that passion of what I wanted to create and refocusing what is my ultimate goal here. The people that I find that really have that writer's block really don't have that, that dedication and focus. And so I would suggest that they go take a yoga class, do some meditation, realign themselves, and then come back to the project from that new place of passion. So it, 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 here's what I love. And I know, you know, we spoke about this briefly earlier. I'm obsessed with using AI yeah. to overcome creative blocks. Right. Um, is that something you've played with or dabbled with or, or used? I think AI is absolutely amazing. Um, so to be able to use ChatGPT, Bard, you're kind of joking around yeah. with Bard, uh, to be able to give the spark of inspiration, particularly um, some people have kind of like blank page syndrome. You can queue up an idea. It could be for a D&D campaign. It could be for a short story, anything. Um, and it can be a great way to kind of break that ice for then you to be able to go and get the creative juices flowing. So yeah, I, I love this. And you know, um, we're big on systems, you know, at, at the smart CEO, which is our mastermind, we talk all about make sure you have systems. Um, I'm so obsessed with systems that my Dungeons and Dragons games are all run via AI. Mm. And um, so what we've done is I've created a sequence of prompts that the AI understands the story so far. Yeah. I input like what happened last time, so it yeah. knows. And then I I tell the AI, these are the things that I need you to understand or yep. that I need included in the in yep. the game. And then I've trained my AI on, uh, are you familiar with Save the Cat? I, I believe um, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, so there's the Save the Cat story process, the hero's journey and the monomyth. Yep. I trained AI to combine all three of those, which mm -hmm. is uh, Hollywood storytelling practices, combine them and then take that story practice yep. and create an adventure yep. following that Hollywood yeah. movie line. And I found that now, uh, you know, we we play Dungeons and Dragons at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. I can write an entire adventure with dialogue, scripts, yeah. character sheets, everything in 45 minutes start to yeah. finish. That includes the maps, the whole part of the game, like the whole thing. This was a process that used to take me eight to 12 hours. And it's a great example of work smarter, not harder. Right. Yeah, to be able to streamline those operations where then you as the human game master, you can actually do the things that are best, which is really describing the situation, then you have the entire actual foundation of your story there done for it. Yeah, which I love. And and this is why I wanted to add this for you guys is I'm doing this as a hobby for fun on the yep. side beyond being creative in my company, yep. um, working with my clients. So the amount of creative output that I have to do is so huge. Writer's block would 
kill me. Right. I, I mean, I would lose days of my life. Right. So I love outsourcing that brain power to AI yep. um, to be creative. Um, is that something like if somebody's experiencing burnout mm -hmm. in your head, can AI recharge that? Is there a way of, of doing it, that? It, it could. For, for me, burnout, I always have to come back to myself and look look at what are the wounded parts that are unhealed inside of myself. Um, and I'll usually have a childlike part due to some sort of childhood trauma that I actually need to heal because I'm then what's called blending an internal family system, blending with this wounded part. Um, could AI help with this? Very well could. Um, for me, I, I, I have a coaching practice where I then talk to my coach specifically on these wounded parts. Um, and I think pretty soon AI is going to take over everything, not just game mastering, but, sure. but, but also facilitating these types of communication. So I think it's just a matter of time. I, I, yeah, I think that's just freaking awesome. Um, something that I think uh, you know, is really important with this stuff, and I know you do like five-hour yep. you know, uh, intensive trainings yeah. with people and yep. guide them through things. I had a friend of my watch. I want to talk to the darker side of that. He ran a multi-million dollar business. Yep. Um, I actually helped him launch it, which is phenomenal. It got so much bigger than either of us imagined. He went on a guided journey with a coach, mm -hmm. came back the next day mm -hmm. and destroyed his company. Wow. Like, like lost it, lost the plot completely. Wow. Stole a bunch of money, wow. shut down everything. Wow. Um, ended up selling it for a fraction of what it was worth and retiring to a forest wow. where he spent the next four years of his life. Wow. He's just come out of the forest now. Mm -hmm. And- um, I have another friend who did exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I have two people I know who both did five-hour missions with somebody right. who then afterwards were like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm selling everything. I'm everything. Now I'm going to add some extra information. Sure. In my opinion, both of those people, uh, one of them was a fraud. Mm -hmm. He stole everything, built his business on other people's work right. without crediting them or paying for it. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lot of guilt there. Yeah. And the other one treated his staff terribly. Yeah. And I I believe that both of those people actually um, were living out of integrity with themselves. Yeah. And so it, it became very self-destructive mm -hmm. as they wanted to rebuild themselves. Both of them ended up going to retreats. Yeah. I mean, years in exile as they like fixed themselves. It almost seems like they had to come to terms with certain parts of themselves they need to heal and to atone or like literally at one meant atonement with. Yep. Um, so I, I noticed in my healing practice, uh, the Stone Protocol, we do these five-hour guided healing journeys, uh, primarily with psilocybin. There's a couple other catalysts we use too. And people will see, and again, it has to be very facilitated, will see parts of themselves that they're not used to experiencing. And we all have so many suppressed or outcast parts of ourselves. And when they then come up in a healthy way, we then can deal with them and look at them. And so um, I have a lot of very high-level business clients who, when they're done, they are much more focused on their mission yeah. and then go and you know generate higher uh, revenue and they hire new team members. They do strategic partnerships. Uh, they have much better relationship with their wives. But then there are other people who maybe have some infidelity in their past or have a relationship that they've you know not necessarily been uh, very altruistic in. And they really now can no longer suppress those emotions. They have to deal with them in a healthy way. They have to heal those parts of themselves. And that takes work. And you know, it may take five years in a forest, depending on what that person has to come to terms with. Done it. That's great. Yeah. Have you have you seen those kinds of situations before? Like where, where that someone's had that kind of drastic for me, the clients I I'll I'll interact with people and I I love this saying that you can't go too deep, but you can go too fast. And so I, like I, I would really very strongly urge a client to not make any drastic decisions ever, like immediately after a session. 
and to really take time to integrate that information. Um, we can always go deeper, but if you move too quickly, I mean, it's like driving a car, a tiny little turn and you'll veer off and, you know, slide yeah. into a ditch. I love that. Um, and so I've never had any experience. I haven't even had people have, you know, quote unquote, bad trips. That's because the facilitation is is set and setting in such a powerful way where they're held and feel safe to be able to really talk about those things and look at them in a way that's not overwhelming to their conscious mind. Because our conscious mind is what mediates our general experience. So if we can't bring that conscious mind into those places and then bring it back again, integrated, it, it's then no longer helpful. Dude, I, I love this. I think this is absolutely amazing. Um, so we're getting to that point where I do want to open up. If anybody here does have a question, please feel free to just come and stand by the microphone um, and ask a question. Or uh, anybody online, you can just type it in the chat. Do, you, do we have one? Someone online wants to know if you use Bofo Toad in your facilitation. Uh, so that's a uh, uh, five five meo DMT, uh, and it can also be used through uh, the, the another variation of the Colorado River Toad. I don't use those calluses um, myself. Um, I do know people who do. Uh, the DMT experiences um, are very, very, very powerful. Um, in my experience using um, DMT, it's basically you're there and shoot off. Um, and you go very, very, very far, very, 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 very fast. And you're there for a very, very short amount of time. Um, there can be some benefit to that. Some people call it um, like the executive psychedelic because uh, it's, it's you know, trunculated to a very short period of time. Um, for me, with my clients, again, it's this notion you can't go too deep, but you go too fast. And yeah. So I don't really like personally this like shooting off into the unknown because you really, for, for the work that I do, you want to be very intentional where we're going. And as a like, really very gently easing them in to be able to bring their conscious mind there and then back again, like our hobbit's tail. Yeah. Because if we're, we're not able to bring that information back into our waking consciousness, we might have like the best yoga class in the universe. But once we get off the mat, we just go back to you know, our old behavioral patterns. What's the point? Right. No, I love that. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think, you know, um, we talk about this in, in human interaction as well. If you meet somebody and move that quickly, that relationship just falls apart the slower you build it. So it's sustainable. Right. You do. I absolutely love that. Sweet. Uh, next question. I have a question as well too. So do you have any practical quick tips that someone can do like throughout the day, basically, if, if you feel burnout without obviously going on the trip and stuff too, right? Like a bit more like quick, applicable, small tips to overcome. Yeah. For me, um, I have been, I've been meditating since I was 14 and I find that actually um, the meditation practice that I, I practice now, we have a daily meditation um, free at the Strom Protocol just a heart meditation and checking in for just five minutes, uh, anywhere between two to three times a day and literally just breathing in my heart. I know that sounds like kind of silly, but like I, I want to be a heart-based being, you know, I want to have an open heart. And then linking that heart center to my mind allows my mental sphere, kind of like you were telling me, like, is my mind wandering to have that heart-mind connection and the neurons that are literally in our heart informing the much larger neural structure in our gray matter actually have a good communication. So for me, the answer is just constantly breathing into my heart. And that allows me to actually generate my own energy, both chemically and I think spiritually inside of my own body where I don't need that peanut butter from other people. I'm generating my own peanut butter so I can then give it and be very selective to whom I'm giving it to. Hopefully it's reciprocal. Perfect. Love that. Excellent. Sweet. Um, so at uh, the end of every podcast, we always like to ask people one question. That question is, what do smart businesses do? What do you think, James? I would say now over many years of um, entrepreneurship, I would say that smart businesses now, speaking from experience, are 
are grounded, their leaders are grounded in their hearts and are able to make decisions that not only facilitate long-term goals, but immediate step-by-step actions that are fulfilling, both to avoid burnout and to bridge really amazing connections with themselves and other people. Dude, I absolutely love that. There you go, guys. That's Jameson Stone. Go check him out. Thank you. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.